Hey everybody, welcome back to the conversation where we intend to destigmatize the conversation around cannabis to talk a little sports and of course we hope have a little fun along the way. I'm your host Dave Briggs, former CNN, NBC Sports, Fox News anchor as well as a host at Turner Sports as well. And one trend that is certainly helping in that regard is current and or former athletes jumping into the cannabis industry in particular from the NBA, but boy is the NFL coming on strong in that regard. We talked to Calvin Johnson, the Hall of Famer, in the debut episode of the show tonight. The all-time leading receiver in Giants history in terms of yards, receptions, and touchdown receptions. He is the man in Giants history and also a Super Bowl champion. Amani Toomer with us tonight. Amani, good to see you, my friend. What I love about your cannabis story is that you were very late to the party. Why so? Well, I was always, you know, the stigma, the stigma that kind of that that came with the end that come with cannabis is always something that I really believe. And then, you know, I got into the business. I started investing in it. And then I started really doing my research on what this plant was, what it was, what was THC, what was CBD. And I started, you know, then I learned about the whole human cannabinoid system and how it's a system in our body that they don't even teach in medical schools. And I was really like, you know, this is not what I, they, they, they told me it was, you know, they, it, it just, I felt like I've been lied to. So, so then, you know, I, I, I still wasn't going into the full THC mode. I, I was into the CBD because yeah. I cycle a lot and I had, you know, really bad pro like, like repetitive stress injuries. I had bad knee, I had bad knees, I had bad uh, back and neck. And, you know, it was really starting to affect my ability to kind of work out. And so I started taking CBD and it was amazing. Like the, my, all the pain went away in my body and I was able to work out like I did, you know, not like when I played, but more so of what I'm used to working out and the level of the intensity and and i was like man if cbd is this good what what is thc and cbd gonna be so then i started and i i'm not a really a big like smoker or anything yeah. you know i i sometimes i'll have like a uh like the, the the gummies or i'll have like a uh like a pen like a vape pen one or two things off a of vape pen um but yeah i'm not not really big into smoking but just because of the fact that you know i I mean, I, I tried it every once in a while, but I still, you know, I grew up in the 80s. My parents were smokers and I hated the fact that they smoked. So yeah. the smoking the smoking aspect of it doesn't do well. I got to be I honest, did, I, think, I think you are the perfect guy for this show and for this story because everyone just perceives that everyone in the cannabis world or anyone that enjoys THC is just taking giant bong rips on the couch, eating Cheetos and not moving for eight hours. That is not what cannabis is all about. Is it Amani? Absolutely not. It is a medicine that it is a medicine. And, uh, you know, I've invested in a lot of different cannabis medical, um, you know, medical cannabis operations. And it's a, it's a, you know, you listen to the, 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 the cancer aspects you know, all the stuff with Crohn's disease, you know, all these different ailments that this, you know, medicine can really help with. And it's, it's just amazing. And, 
you know, you start reading and you start listening and listening and you read about the history of it and why they made it, why, why the prohibition first came out. And, you know, I tell people, have you ever heard of a guy named Harry Anslinger? Yep. And everybody's like, no, I was like, this guy was a devout racist. And one of the reasons why he wanted to outlaw cannabis was he said it made black people feel equal to white people. And I'm just like, and that's in the record. That's not like <laughs> what I thought he said. That's in the actual record when you're, um, when you're doing this research. And it just, it, it blew my mind. And then that started, you, once you dig deeper into this whole cannabis prohibition, you really start to see some of the undercurrents of, uh, of, uh, of systematic racism in this country. It's fucking insane. If you want to know more about that Anslinger story and the racism about the history, please check out our episode with Dr. Carl Hart from Columbia, who studied this stuff for 30 years. He's written books on it. That episode is on Pro Cannabis Media. It's on our YouTube page as well, and it is really informative. So we're going to circle back to your experience, starting with THC in your 40s. And the stigma, but I want to hit on some quick week one NFL stories because I'm still jacked about football being back, about fans in the stadium, and about my Denver Broncos. Uh, <laughs> my shoulder here beating your Giants. Yeah, that yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Um, your Giants, boy, it's just been a floundering couple of years. Let's start with Daniel Jones. Played solid, but another t- costly turnover. He has 40 and 28 games. That continues to be the problem with him. Do you believe he's going to be the man or, or is it about time that the clock has expired on Daniel Jones? I mean, it's the first game of the year, but um, you know, there has to be some improvement. I, I like the fact that uh, you know, he says all the right things. He's like the perfect face of the franchise, but if you turn the ball over, I mean, there's nothing that nobody that anybody can do. I mean, you turn the ball over, you cost your team victories you know, you could be the best guy in the world. You could be a boy scout, you know, you could be a, you know, Eagle scout. It, it, it's about production on the field. And, you know, I know everybody in the giant organization is behind him. I'm behind, him. but at a certain point in time, which is not yet, but, you know, five, six games down the road, you know, if he's still doing these types of things, you take the choice out of everybody's hand. I think that yep. a lot of people is gonna, are going to go down if he doesn't perform better, not just Daniel Jones, but maybe even the general manager. Um, and, you know, I, I think the head coach just got there and they really like the head coach, but the general manager, the more he plays terribly, the more, not terribly, the more he struggles, I should say, it's a better word. The more he struggles uh, and the more the general manager kind of, you know, uh, Dave Gettleman really backed this kid. Uh, yeah. getting rid of Eli Manning prematurely. A lot of people didn't like the way it happened for this guy. And he's not um, you know, holding his water. It's going to be a tough, tough situation for, for old Dave Gettleman. Saquon Barkley, really like. uh, we're all rooting for Saquon, but boy, it didn't look pretty, man. 10 carries, 26 yards. He played 28 snaps. He didn't have a single carry over five yards. He looks washed, but I know he's still coming back from an injury. Do you think he will turn the corner? I think he'll turn the corner. He flashed with a nice one-handed grab. You know, those are the types of things that he does. Um, I don't think you can really judge him off of the limited amount of carries. He's one of those backs like Barry Sanders that, you know, he'll have five carries where you're like, is this guy any good? And then next thing you know, bam, he'll break a long run and he'll shake somebody or do something incredible. So he's one of those guys that 
you just got to give him the ball more. You can't – he's not one of these, you know, three-carry games, five-carry games, ten-carry games. He needs a lot of touches to, to really show his talent. And, you know, it's going to take a while for that knee to come back. I've had an ACL. It takes a full calendar year for the ACL to fully heal and get all that proprioception back because there's little muscles in there that just, you know, I remember from one day to the next, my coach saw me playing after my ACL. And so I was moving just better. And it just, I had more quickness. I had more, 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 more explosion. And a running back position is one of the hardest to come back from an ACL. I, th- I think the doubt comes in with Saquon because the, the games he played prior to the injury last year, he looked very mediocre at best, but he is a phenomenal human being and a specimen. I hope he battles back. What was your biggest surprise from week one in the NFL season? I would say you got to, you got to look at how Jameis Winston played. That was a Woo! really big surprise. Five touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, that guy has been through everything. You know, he everybody thinks he's a terrible quarterback, but the guy threw 30 touchdowns a couple of years ago. We could couple a couple of that with 30 interceptions, but still 30 30. <laughs> still, that's still a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. Um, and I know Sean Payton, he was my offensive coordinator uh with the Giants. He's a quarterback guru. The guy knows how to get the best out of people and he's a guy that I always think is a really good Sean Payton. I'm talking about He's a very good judge of talent. I remember when Tom Brady was coming out and the the discussion, because I was around the facility a lot and the discussion around was because Tom Brady looked terrible in the combines. We've all seen his, his combine pictures and everybody was talking about how Tom Brady was terrible, but there was only one of our coaches that said, I think Tom Brady can be a star. And that was Sean Payton. He was the only one that believed in him. And I think he's a, he's a tremendous judge of talent. Nobody believed in Drew Brees until he went with Sean Payton because every, he, they thought he was washed up when he left uh, the, 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 the Chargers. So there is something to the fact that he is a very good judge of quarterback talent. And the fact that he picked Jameis Winston to me uh, – Knowing the history of Sean Payton tells me that Jameis Winston is going to be a go on, go down in the right path. That's really interesting. I've never heard that story about Sean Payton because, yes, nobody thought Brady would be what he is. I, I would love to. Do you know what it was that he saw in Brady? Because he was slow, still is skinny, did not look like an athlete, has never had that strong of arm. I'm curious what Payton saw in him. I think. I, I look at quarterback more as an art, not a science, right? You look at how tough Tom Brady had to be uh, going through a situation at Michigan where he was being benched and then he was coming in and saving games. That is not like most quarterbacks don't have that mental power to do that. They can't yep. mentally, yep. you know, switch on and off like that and not go down, go in the tank. So I think he saw that. And the guy's a winner, like you know, he came in one of these games. They came back and beat Alabama, and one of these Orange Bowl games. He's, you know, he's just a guy that uh, he, he's ultra competitive. I mean, and you know, you got to be able to see through. Um, it's it's part of it's the talent of being a scout, a talent evaluator. Yeah. You know, you look yeah. at every situation. It's not all about stats. 
I couldn't believe it. I mean, the guy's my age. We are the same age. I can barely play hoops with my son, who's 13. He goes 380 yards and four touchdowns at age 44. And everybody in the stadium and across the country knew the Bucs were going to win. When the (laughs) Cowboys took the lead with 90 seconds left, it's the weirdest sensation I've ever seen in sports. Everybody knew Brady was going to win that game. Um, But I thought the biggest surprise of the week was that Jameis Winston game but it wasn't Winston. It was the worst team in the NFL on Sunday, hands down. And it was the green Bay Packers. Oh yeah. Think of Aaron Rodgers and of green Bay outclassed in every facet of football. I just can't believe that they fell from grace so quickly. I mean, this is a team that was one game away from the Super Bowl. And then now all of a sudden they're, you know, at the bottom of the barrel, it just seems, I don't know how you can underestimate the saints uh, with with all the firepower that they have and come in and lay a stinker like that. Maybe it's one of those, maybe it's one of these situations like, like, you know, the first game of the year, you, you know, the preseason wasn't normal. You think you got 17 games, you know, in the bag. Yeah. Maybe I, I can't figure out why you come out and perform that, perform that poorly. Well, the, the theory is that Rodgers, his entire offseason was about drama, about wanting to leave Green Bay. He wasn't focused on football. He certainly wasn't having a Tom Brady type of offseason where he's studying and working his with receivers. Do you think that just distracted him? The guy came out with a ponytail for crying out loud. Yeah, the man bun is not a good look. Not a good look. Uh, it could have, and it makes sense to, but who knows how focused he really was. I mean, I I don't think, I think Aaron Rodgers takes pride in what he does. You can't play for this many years and be at that high of a level coming off the MVP. I I don't think he took it easy. I just think that he had a bad day, uh, but it was surprising. But you know what? One of the things that I did when I was uh, doing the serious NFL radio, one of the the hosts was like, you know when you have a great quarterback is when they play poorly and you're truly surprised that they play poorly. That just shows you how kind of great they really are. So we'll see throughout the season. I have a, I have a uh, suspicion that Aaron Rodgers is going to regress to the mean and he's going to be the great quarterback that he's always been. It was one awful performance. I want to ask you about another guy that you're very familiar with that, that we talk about reaching their potential And he's never quite gotten there. And, of course, it's Odell Beckham Jr. who left New York, went to Cleveland, a lot of hype, never realized it, got injured last year, was inactive in week one. You're a guy that went out there and worked your ass off day in and day out and got better and improved and worked five straight thousand-yard seasons you had from 99 to 03. Beckham himself, one of the most gifted athletes we've ever seen, is not – achieving those type of numbers will he ever realize his great potential wow that is a great question Uh, i think that he already has realized a lot of his potential but my brother and i always say if you're a receiver that wants to be uh you know upper echelon it's not about how you play when you're young it's how you play after your first major injury because it's going to happen. And so it's kind of a phase in his career where in the beginning, everything was easy. You're the better athlete. You're coming out of college. Your body's fresh. 
But have a couple of those NFL seasons start hanging over you, catch an injury or two. That's where kind of, you know, that extra talent is going to have to turn into better technique, um, better work ethic. I, I mean, I, I don't know if he has bad work ethic, but I'm just saying to get to that next level, there has to be a work ethic and you have to constantly be improving your game to where you become more efficient. Uh, because when I was younger, you know, I could run by people, I could do all this. But when I got older and slower, I was forced to use tricks. I was forced to use technique. And if you aren't on that level to where you're, you're concentrating on those types of things, that's why there's some players that come in the league and they're fired, you know, they're flashes in the pan because they, they do well. And then all of a sudden defenses started changing towards and start getting the double teams and they can't figure anything out. They can't be successful after that. And so you're constantly improving. And if you're not, you're, 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 you're not going to get better. And with the injuries, or all these types of things are constantly changing in your career. And you got, constantly got to be ahead of the, the, the curve and improving every day, every game, every year. And if you're not, you're, you're getting worse. And you got to stop worrying about your brand. And he's been awfully concerned about that brand for the last several years, wearing a watch on the field and all the madness, nonstop pregame rituals and suspensions and fines. And I, 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 again, another guy we hope achieves his potential, but at this point it's entirely unclear. So speaking of injuries, a lot of players now using cannabis to recover from a lot of those hand injuries. We talked to Kyle Turley about it. You know, he's suffering from early dementia and CTE and cannabis has been the thing that that's helped him level out and deal with those head injuries. But for you, that wasn't that didn't bring you to cannabis. And I'm surprised at that when you were playing. Was it around in the locker rooms where a lot of guys smoking? And what was that stigma that you mentioned earlier that kept you from trying it? Well, I was I was always under the impression that was a gateway drug. You know, that it was a oh, gateway yeah. to the next level. So I just never got involved in it at all. Um, but was it around? I don't remember it being around. I, I, maybe the guys that, maybe the guys when I wasn't around were, was, were smoking and I'm sure they were. But no, I never, I never was around it. And, um, you know, growing up in Berkeley, I remember at when I was uh, Berkeley, California, I yeah. was offered a, a joint when I was, I think, second grade, third grade, you know, like, yeah. you know, I, and so it wasn't something that was completely uh, foreign to me. It was just something that like, you know, I was grew up in the eighties and, you know, this is your brain on drugs type thing. And I thought it was like a real drug. I couldn't, t- I, I didn't think it was a difference between cocaine and marijuana. Like to me, they were all both the same. And so I didn't touch any of it. And so as you, you know, get older and just do some reading and all this stuff. And the fact that it does help brain injuries to me is uh, it was something that one other reason why I said, you know what, I mean, I might go ahead and try this because, you know, I've had a couple concussions and, you know, uh, they say it, it helps. So, you know, there's nothing else that they know that out there that can really help a, a brain injury. So I tried it. So what was that first time like, and what was the light bulb going on? moment for you um i honestly the first time i did it i didn't know if it did anything because i you know being drunk uh, drinking too much alcohol and having a buzz and having a uh, a, a buzz from cannabis is two different things like i was oh. like am i am i really is it is it really happening or is it just in my brain you know i so i i don't really 
I still, to this day, sometimes I'm like, does this really even do anything? And then you start <laughs> laughing and you start thinking of crazy, you know, funny things and you yeah. start having a really good time off of stuff that shouldn't be that funny. And I'm like, okay, it must be doing something. <laughs> that, that does sounds familiar. Yeah, for everybody, it's something different. I mean, for yeah. me, it's not as much about being high as it is taking out the lows because yeah. that's what cannabis does for me is take out the lows, take out the dips. Now being high on occasion is certainly great, but taking out the dips is more important. So you got involved in the medical industry and tell me about that. Colorado, Nevada, and I think in New Jersey as well. At yeah. what level and how involved with it are you? Well, I, I'm mostly in the investor side and I'm trying yeah. to, uh, you know, I, I, I look for opportunities all the time that, that makes sense, strategic sense. So right now I'm, I'm really happy with what, what's going on. Um, you know, obviously, you know, that this is a, it's a tough business in terms of uh, getting companies cash flow positive. And, um, you know, because of the banking issue, because of uh, the, the tax banking. codes and stuff, that, yep. and the tax codes, it's very hard to, uh, you know, to not only, you know, make money, but it's hard to, you know, bank, which is, you know, even if you do make money, it's cash. And then I never really knew how bad, how hard it was to walk around with a whole bunch of cash and not be able to put it in the bank, not be able to do anything with it. So it's a, uh, it's uh, it's it's a little challenging, but I think once you know the banking industry gets on board, and hopefully when they legalize it federally, it'll uh, it'll just explode into something that that can really help a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Do you think federal legalization happens soon, and do you think it's an entirely good thing? You said to me earlier that you think there's a place for everybody in this industry, and I agree yeah. with you. My fear is with with federal legalization if it happens soon. You could get four or five companies that snap up everything and it becomes Starbucks and Dunkin Donuts. And yes, there will still be some coffee shops across the country, but it'll be the big guys that put most of the little guys out of business. Well, yeah, I mean, that's if, you, if you're involved in any of the uh, licensing processes, you know, the MSOs, the multi-state operators are doing just that. So it's not something that is new. It's not something that is... Um, you know, surprising, but I think the cannabis user is a little bit different from say somebody who is uh, just, you know, uh, like a, somebody who's just wanting to get the effects, like a, you know, somebody who's an alcoholic or something that, or somebody who wants to drink a lot of alcohol. It's a, yeah. it's a very niche thing. Like people like their flavors. They like their terpene pro, um, profiles. They like, and it's the plant is, is it's hard to grow well. It's easy to grow, hard to grow well, and make it consistent and to get the full expression uh, of the plant. So there's always going to be room for people that looking like to try to grow you know, very high end, high quality stuff, just like it is. You know, you know, Ace of Spades and all these different kinds of you know high end uh, champagnes and whatnot. There's going to be a room for that. Uh, in cannabis as well, I think. Now, you're still in New Jersey now, right? Yes. And New Jersey did pass recreational, but an interesting development out of that, 70% of the towns in New Jersey rejected adult use, which was a very strange thing when it was legalized recreationally. What did you make of that? Uh, I think what the reason why that happened was because there was an opt-in or an opt-out they hadn't yet made the rules for, they hadn't yet made the regulations for cannabis. 
So towns were forced to say, yes, we want cannabis before they even knew any of the any of the regulations. So a lot of towns are for it, but they're just waiting for the regulations to come out then because there's another opportun opportunity for them to opt back in. So it's one of these situations where, you know, the towns that are desperate that really need the, the, the funds for cannabis are going to jump on and say, yes, we want it. We don't care. But the other towns that are a little bit more discreet, that are a little bit more, you know, weary of the situation, even mm -hmm. though, you know, you look at Colorado, you look at California, you look at all the other states uh, where these uh, recreational uh, dispensaries are and, you know, crimes went down because of the cameras and because of all this stuff, property values go up and um, you know, crimes actually gets more solved because they, the police have access to these videos uh, uh, and these, these dispensaries are like, you know, they're like big brother. They got cameras everywhere. So if anybody drives by these areas after any kind of, uh, you know, crime, they just go to the, 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 the dispensary, look at the cameras and say, Oh, the car was this, you know I mean? They, it's a real, uh, good thing for the community in terms of solving crimes. And um, I just think that there's yeah. a lot of good things that can come out of this thing. And um, a lot of these towns need to just, I, I know it's not easy for them because politically, you know, there's still that stigmatism, that stigma. It's uh, the stigma. Uh, stigma yeah. that, that we all are, are still uh, that, that you were with. susceptible to into your forties. Uh, hook, hook, line, and sinker. I was hook, line, and sinker. I was not going to get anywhere near this stuff. And uh, it's funny because my wife uh, was the first one to kind of, you know, uh, you know, get into the gummies or whatever. And I was like, no way, it's a gateway drug, blah 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 blah. And then after I talked to her about it, I just like I said, I did some research. I'm like, I felt like the biggest jerk. Like I was like, I do. You're talking about something I know nothing about, and I never, I never like that. Like to be that way. I always like to have some sort of frame of, of, of information to 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 have a just have real intellectual discussions. So now you like a nice gummy or a brownie or a cookie or what's our thing? Uh, I'm not. I'm in the gummies, and I like the vape pens. Yeah. yeah, the vape the vape pens to me that's clean. If you get a good vape pen. Uh, a good cartridge from a reputable company uh, that's tested and regulated, uh, you know, and they don't use the, uh, the vitamin E acetate. You, you should be pretty, you should be fine. That stigma that kept you from trying it. Do you still feel the stigma? Do you still hide it, your use of it? Or do you feel like that stigma has now worn off at least in your world? In my world, it's definitely worn off. Um, I, I, um, I don't hide it. Uh, I just, I mean, I'm very quiet, um, private person as it is. Um, but I mean, I, do I hide it? I don't know if I hide it. I, I hide everything, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, you're here on this program, so you're yeah, not, yeah. you're not being too discreet. Exactly. I hear some, exactly. I hear some exactly. activity in the house. So we'll, we'll about, uh, wrap it up. Where do you think the industry is going? Is it in the flowers and the edibles that is in the beverages, the topicals, what interests you the most about the future of the business side of it? I think the, the, the interest me is that there's so much more that we can learn about the plant. You know, we can really get into like, you know, looking at all the cannabinoids, what they do, how they interact with each other. And, and, and then the terpenes, how does that work together? And, and all the different areas of the plant. And uh, I think it's, it's one of these situations where you're on the cusp of something really special that can help a lot of people. 
and just getting people off of opioids, getting people, you know, healthy um, with, with this medicine. I think that it's just, it's very exciting because uh, I think, you know, all these different, um, uh, you know, antidepressants and all these different opioids that they, I remember taking uh, after my knee surgery, I had an opioid and I was scratching and itching because I had a bad reaction to it. I just, I just, I, I, there's got to be a better way. And I think yep. this is the better way. You were one of the athletes that signed a petition to get uh, the WADA WADA to drop cannabis from the uh, banned substances, which doesn't make any sense at all. It, it's supposed to be two of these three performance enhancing harmful to the athlete or violates the spirit of sport at best. It's one of those. And one that doesn't even have a true definition. Do yeah. you think Wada will drop it from the banned list or do you see any hope for that? We thought Shakari Richardson would be more of a change element, but I don't think she will be. Uh, I don't think the whole purpose of Shakiri was, I, I don't know. I felt like it was like a, I don't want to say a punishment, but I think it was like, she's out there, like she's out there. She's doing her own thing. She's flamboyant. She's all, I just, I think it was more of one of those things where they were like, let's just, you know, let's kind of curb this thing before she gets totally out of hand. Um, personally, uh, I don't think how it's a performance enhancement. Um, I, I don't know, you know, the spirit that's, Spirit you know, of sports like doesn't make any sense. It's, it it's, doesn't really. It's a catch-all. That's why they yeah. have it in there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I, I hoped she would push for more change, but she really just kind of took her lumps and yeah. wanted to move on with her racing career, which I understand. All right. Um, quickly, I want to ask you about the 2007, the Super Bowl season. I, I was covering the Patriots that year, so I'm all, always a little bit bitter about <laughs> it. Being at the Super Bowl, we were ready yeah. to run on the field and cover perfection and interview Brady you guys changed our plans. What's your favorite uh, story from that Super Bowl or that season that really tells the tale of that group? We won the Super Bowl, right? This is how good of a guy Brady is, right? So we won the Super Bowl. They lost, you know, their perfect season. And I'm walking towards the bus after the game, like on cloud nine. And I hear this, hey, Monty. And, and Tom comes off his bus, comes up to me and goes, man, you know what? You've had a great career. You know, I'm really proud of you. Cause we're from the same area. We're from the Bay area. He's like, I'm really proud of you. And I'm just sitting there like, wow, like, he's such a better man than me. I could not do that. I would be in the bus crying, you know, not crying, but I'd be in the bus like, dang it. You know, like you had an opportunity for, for greatness, but, um, yeah, like so he, he came off the bus, talked me, shook my hand, congratulated me. And I was just like, this dude is amazing, right? I, I, I know me. I, there's no, I'm a sore loser. There's no way I can do that. So, yeah, that was, that was my, that's my Brady story. Um, you, you had to wonder at some point of that game, you didn't think you were going to win it, though, right? You could admit that. I didn't. I, I honestly like this. I was so traumatized from my first experience in the Super Bowl when we lost to the Ravens in 2000 that I didn't care about anything. I just was like, we, Lawrence Times kicked the game winning field goal for us to go to the Super Bowl in the Green Bay in the freezing cold, and everybody's jumping around. And my first reaction was, oh, darn, we're going back to the Super Bowl. Because I was just so traumatized from that. And the fact that, um, hold on a second, sorry about that. 
And the fact that we, um, you know, we had an opportunity to win. Uh, oh, let me, let me, let me, let me start this off. One second. Oh, sorry. Right. We got some family. Yeah. You got to say hello. <laughs> no, we'll close the door. Um, and oh, sorry, let me pick that back up. Um, and the fact that I, I was just so traumatized from that, from that Super Bowl that I was excited that we went to the Super Bowl, but I was like, oh, darn, we're going back. Oh, no. And then we're playing the undefeated Patriots. So, like, everybody was excited, and I'm just like, look, we won this game. We won the NFC Championship, but there's nothing worse than losing a Super Bowl. And that's why I kept telling people, you don't want to lose this thing. We're going to go there and give, us our, give it our best shot. Keep let us down. Four, we were 14-point underdogs, and uh, we had just played them the last game of the year. Yeah. And so we knew that we matched up well with this team. And uh, I just remember thinking, did everybody take crazy pills? They barely beat us. We put up 30 points on them. And all of a sudden, now we're going to lose by 14? This is crazy. So we felt disrespected, which helped us. We felt in, uh, a fear of getting embarrassed because they put 50 on Washington, a team that beat us. So we were, you know, it was, it was all on edge. Like we were, it was not a comfortable situation going through those playoffs. It was not a comfortable situation going into that game. We were desperate fighting for our lives, uh, so to speak. And, and, and for us to win, it was just, I didn't even think about winning. I just thought about playing hard and everybody just thought about playing hard until the very end. And when the dust settled, we were winning. We were winners. I, I will never quite get over it. That was my moment. To cover. <laughs> I mean, Brady got over it. He's won seven. I never had yeah. to have a yeah. moment like that would have been. Well, Amani yeah. Toomer, it's been a great pleasure talking with you. The all-time leading receiver in Giants history in catches, in yards, in touchdown catches as well. And a future star in the cannabis industry. Can't wait until our, be- our paths cross in that regard as well, my friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the time. Thank <laughs> you.